0: fund based in Hong Kong called Old Peak. Just here is a, a hedge on tin. Old Peak selling has been a bit of a meme amongst the tin baron crowd. The big concern that a lot of people in the market have is that those shareholders aren't actually going to be the beneficiaries of this cash accumulation, right? They've just been hoarding it. Why is X, this new clean tin play, investing in a gold company in the Northern Territory? What is the angle here? Why is Metals in town of mine. Well, that's the right. question, right? <laughs>
1: that is what I want to know. All <laughs> right. right, G'day, Money Miners. 27th of June, nearing tax return time. How exciting. Jeez, I'm looking forward to that, boys. I won't lie. <laughs> There's a theme, isn't there, of, of a lot of tax loss selling
0: happening in the market, Matty? A lot of... A lot of um, one right here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of overhang on the, uh, on the on the, juniors. Oh, I so. know. And no liquidity either, so it's a bit of a tough one if you're a bloody mm. a junior out there.
1: Anyway... Maddie, by next year
2: you'll be the fight. one sweeping up all those bargains at tax loss selling. Don't you worry, mate.
1: Oh, I look forward to that day, <laughs> JD. How is uh how what's the temperature in Melbourne at the moment, comma
2: Mate, not too not too different from Perth. I think it was thirteen or fourteen today. Pretty beautiful. Drizzly, classic oh. Melbourne.
1: Well, there we go, boys. We're getting into tin today. Now, this is a bit different. We could even – we're not going back in history to like Cornwell or anything uh, in the early tin the early tin boom. We're talking about modern tin. Talk about something Wizard as – Wizard of Oz, mate. It's something as man. TJ said about lead, it ain't sexy at all, tin. Oh, oh J.D.'s got a different view. I reckon he's going to spruce I, it up. I is mean, tin I getting some th- sex back into it, J.D.?
2: I think we've only just scratched the surface today. I mean, there's – there's all these so-called tin barons on, on Twitter who I think we're going to talk to today, and it's got quite a following. But just scratching the surface this morning doing the research, it's it's super, super interesting. So I think there might be room for a, a longer-form chat later on, but we'll see how we go and see if there's any any interest in what we do today.
1: I'm very much looking forward to what you two were going to pump out here today. This is um, – I, I listen back to a lot of the episodes and think, oh, shit, i like actually learn a lot. But that's what everyone's getting. Like the service <laughs> we're providing is sen- like sense. I didn't have to start this podcast to learn. I could have just listened to you two. So,
0: but mate, no one's learning as much as JD and I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, boys. We'll get into it now. We'll go through the early the. Early news of everything else. And then we're going deep into tin and metals X. So we've got a bit coming out of Anglo Gold, Challenger Gold, BCI, a bit of salt, industrial minerals to uh, keep Trav's love for it alive. Thank you, mate. No worries. Uh, Vulcan, can't have an episode without lithium. And we're going heading out to Cobar, north and south, talking about polymetals in Kingston. So first up, lads. Now, I guess everyone head back and listen to the Parenti. DDH1 takeover coverage yesterday. Boys did a good job. We did have a bit of a bit of mail come in from a person. Rochelle Remain Anonymous. Something we probably glossed over talking about the synergies between the business. And the big one is the tax synergies. Because Parenti is a they run at a tax loss because the debt's linked to the Australian business. So by bringing DDH1 into the business, they're effectively bringing in revenue tax-free because they've got, um, I think, like half a billion of carried forward tax losses. So until they get chewed up, uh, it's a good tax synergy to bring DDH1 in. So um, anything else you reckon? Any other feedback you got, boys? I got some feedback
0: that y- your word on the declines not too far away, mate. So, really? I
1: don't know. It's yeah. bloody conjecture but i don't know uh, so but it wasn't the fact that it wasn't stupid like there is I, t- I told you boys you're not quite left field
0: you're more shortstop so well done mate
1: we could do this could be a good end of the year episode maddie's left field word on the declines of which ones actually came <laughs> true right let's get into it boy anglo gold they announced plans to build a renewable energy facility you'd say at Tropicana. So they're looking to halve gas usage to meet their emission targets. Boys, what's happening here? Everyone's joining the party for a big renewable energy hub at their mine. Ain't yeah, the first.
2: Exactly, Matty. I mean they've they've got these targets. Anglo Gold's obviously quite a big company and they've got emissions targets scope one and scope two that they need to meet at, at certain points in time. So they've entered into an agreement with Pacific Energy and these guys are going to construct and operate the, um, the energy sort of capacity that they build out there. It's going to be wind and solar, and it's going to work in conjunction with what they're currently using, which is gas. So just the, the line, there weren't any actual cash figures announced uh, when it when it came out. It's just a two-page, but there was a there was a quote that says, the capital cost of constructing the renewables infrastructure will be incorporated into the ongoing power costs Charge to the Tropicana JV partner, so that's obviously um, Regis, of course. Um, the project is designed to maximise the emissions reduction while maintaining power costs at current levels. So it'll be interesting to see over over the life of it if they if they do flesh out any more, or if those you know power costs st- still maintain that level with with Regis, the um, the thirty percent holder there as well.
1: Yeah, they'll have a lot, lot going into. I think the, I would assume the mill is one of the biggest consumers of power. But then they've got Boston Shaker there with underground. So your, your ventilation is your biggest consumer of power there. So that's where they'll see a lot of the benefit feeding renewable into the um, underground power as well. I don't think you get much out of the open pit.
0: Yep. And these guys, they just uh, enacted their listing i believe off asx so yep. um, they've consolidated that one now so i wonder if that maybe preempts
1: a bigger a bigger deal bigger deal let's Rob, see let's get Absolutely. on to travs oh mate we've got salt. what's actually what's J? so you're like mineral sand salt heavy like industrial, industrial minerals. minerals sometimes what's like, jd's
0: oh it's a good one
1: africa no <laughs> yeah
0: what is your? What is your? What is life? your
2: niche? What is your? Hey, niche? You, you guys have to tell me what I'm talking about too much. <laughs> yeah, I, don't,
0: I don't know. You're I reckon, just very I reckon he, he ventures a little bit into like the, the less company specific stuff. Sometimes more broader thematic. Loves a bit of macro. Yeah. Loves the bigger picture kind of themes re, like how regulation plays in all that. Like you know all that sort of stuff. Which
2: I, would, I wouldn't like. fight you on that, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and on P and and Menzies. <laughs> right uh, now, based on this as a. Jap- Japanese company, I'd say B BCI mm-hmm. salt offtake with Aitoshu. Yep, Aitoshu. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah, it's a pretty brief one here, Matty. Um, they they they've entered a, an offtake with Itoshu. It's um and they're one of Japan's trading and investment companies. Pretty big. They but the salt offtake is not pretty big. It's quite small. It's only for three point six thousand tons over a total of five years. And given that BCI is building Marty, which is designed to produce five million tons per annum of salt. Um, There's still a way to go there, but it's a step in the right direction.
1: Very good! Challenger Gold. Uh, never heard. I've heard of the Challenger Gold mine, but I've never heard of Challenger Gold. What's happening here, lads? Manny, I,
2: can't, I can't say I've I've heard of it until this morning either. But you know what? What we all sort of do, we check what our directors and management are, are buying and selling. So for a bit of um, a bit of scope, this company's capped at 115 million. Um, they came out with a resource estimate. They've got a project in Ecuador. so it's called El Guayabo. Um, that was uh, about 10 or so days ago that they came out with that resource estimate and they also had a $10 million dollar placement. The stock's been whacked pretty hard. so they're down 60 odd percent since then, trading roughly roughly 10 cents. but what stood out was that uh, one of the one of the directors, the non-exec chair, bought a bit over 110 grand worth of stock. But probably worth also mentioning that looking into the the top 20 register now these um these registers can be you know pretty notorious for their accuracy but it did look like a lot of the directors hold quite a large chunk of stock in that company
1: mm. very good a lot we like to see directors with skin in the game yeah absolutely
0: right skin in the game in Ecuador.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. Vulcan and SLB. So Vulcan. Now that was this is the lithium company that we omitted to say that Gina had dipped a toe into back in the day. Gina and the family, wasn't it?
0: Her son first, and she son followed. And but she followed. So she also, yeah pulled out too.
1: Yeah. No. So she this wasn't uh, the what was it Hawthorne and Legacy? They weren't yep. the first uh, lithium one that Gina's dipped to toe into. So look, Vulcan first hard and herself, rock lithium. Yes. Um, so SLB, so that formerly Slumberjay, I'm pretty sure I now know no, that's you correct. Said that, you said that right? Because well I bloody I was I was at De and they were trying. To, they were sourcing pumps yeah. for the underground pump station from Slumberjay. I love when
0: everyone when everyone reads this one the
1: first time. It's like Slumberger, Slumberger, <laughs> Slumberjay. Right, what's going on here?
2: So SLB, you mentioned you'd, you'd sort of heard of them. They're, they're quite a behemoth. They're like. 67 billion dollar company and that's US dollars. Wow. So they've they've got the expertise in the the geothermal sort of space and I think that's what Vulcan are going to try and, you know, utilize. They they're obviously trying to extract lithium from from down deep at their project in Germany. So one of the dot points just said really that SLB will provide tech services for 3.6 million US in kind to really just optimize Vulcan's efforts. And they'll yeah. also be, um, yeah, executing a minimum of 15 production and injection wells. So it's not just the one way like in an oil well, but the, the pumping has got to go up and down for a Vulcan's project to work.
0: Yeah, and this is to, to, yeah, to help with the production of what the company claims will produce. Renewable heat and lithium-bearing brine, Maddie. Where's it,
1: this one? Where's Vulcan located again? It's Germany, Ryan that's, Germany, that's Germany. Rhine yeah. Valley, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, is there And there's brine in Germany, hey? Uh, Not as much as in Argentina. That's one of them.
2: Down, down deep, Maddie. Don't don't think of the the big salt flats like the Argentinian and Chilean and Bolivian companies. It's it's quite a different strategy. What what Vulcan is trying to execute
0: you got to drill three kilometres into a river, which uh, they, haven't, they haven't done yet.
2: Yeah, right.
1: It sounds very interesting. So it's similar to oil in a way. Going That's more state. Some, some
0: an oil services company, right? That's, yeah.
1: yeah. Right, Polly, let's head out Head out to Cobar. Now, I don't mind Cobar. We've Cobar got a couple, Park, mate. Cobar Park's area now, because I reckon there's going to be a bit of action in there in the next couple of years. First one, polymetals. So polymetals have... Um, They've got the Endeavour mine, so that's just north of Cobar. So they've signed a prepayment deal with UK trading firm Ocean Partners for 10 million bucks. So that's a lads, is this a prepayment facility for future sales? Is this how it's working?
2: Yeah, so as as is in the name, polymetals are producing from a polymetallic project. And yeah, I mean, so silver lead
1: zinc, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So um working capital and development capital is what what this money will go to. We'll flash up on the screen what the sort of terms were, but the maximum loan term was 36 months that the company flagged and an interest rate of so far, so we've we've referenced this a few times, that's roughly 5% plus 7%. So that roughly equates to like 12-odd percent interest rate. Um, and then on the back of that, like less than an hour pre-trade today, they, they went into a trading halt for a capital raising. So just for reference, they were kept at like $37 million before mm. before all this happened this morning. So we'll see what the yeah. terms are afterward.
1: The was one? it was it a weird how they did it because they put the announcement out about the prepayment facility then uh, nearly an hour later, then they went into a trading halt pending the capital was raise. Was that before market opened though? Yeah, it was before. <laughs> yeah, that's but right, it, it was just before. the order, the announcements went up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, the, the interesting thing with, with these guys is, I reckon, like, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much they raise. But um, the one question I'm sure every uh, investor that, you know, gets pitched to participate in the raise will ask is what's going to happen come, I think it's like April next year, that their agreement when they acquired this from Toho that they would replace the environmental cash bond cash backing, which is currently Toho's cash, but they got to replace it with their cash next year, I think it is. So, um, like, that's coming around. Um, in the not too distant future, when they're also going to be capital hungry to to start mining, so you know investors will just want to know what's going on there, and um, what investors will want is probably for that to be kicked down the road before they actually have to worry about dipping into equity markets again. So you know we'll see if they can they can uh, arrange for you know delayed terms to that one for Toho, but we'll see what
2: happens. Yeah, from the company's point of view as well, if they can show investors you know that they've wrapped up ten million in financing, it's a it's a little benefit to show the equity investors afterward so that would have increased the odds you know of a a better capital raise and i haven't dug deep like too deep into it but i'm not sure what sort of terms were around that that loan that they're given and if they need to hold a certain cash balance or not so it could sort of go both ways Mm. there
0: it's 27 million bucks cash backing from my memory so when you look at the you know 37 million bucks market cap there like you're gonna have to add uh, you know 27 plus the 10 now so another 37 in um in in debt to to consider the ev if that makes sense
2: absolutely yeah
1: right kingston another one so this is heading the other direction of cobar this is sort of southeast so it's south it's southeast of um, aurelia's haram and this is i think it's actually looking at the map it looks closer to parks than it is to um to cobar so kingston they've got the mineral hill project so they've just raised six and a half million bucks to go towards the restart of that so down 20 percent straight to the placement price um another polymetal, uh poly operation so what struck your eye here lads
2: uh 6.5 million dollar raising so 5.5 was the the cap raise and a 1 million spp so that goes to the existing shareholders so I think you can see flicking through their docs that they had restart capital of 16-odd million. They're also capped at roughly 40, so similar in market cap terms to polymetals before. And, yeah, they've also just got this little gold-producing thing, honestly pretty tiny, 1.7 thousand ounces of gold from a sort of tailings project, but making a tiny bit of money, so not negative.
0: And this This company... In the in not too distant future was focused on developing the MISIMA gold project in PNG, your yep. your neck of the woods, Matty. But um, yeah, getting anything done in PNG is pretty bloody tough.
2: Mm. A, not too distant past,
1: and it wouldn't be worth too much either, because <laughs> who wants to yeah. buy? <laughs> no one wants to buy anything in PNG. No. So
2: you still see on the latest press, they've they've still got that one, but I think the the cobars now the focus. Hey,
0: yeah, I'd be I'd be more keen to. Build something in Australia, personally.
1: It was good. Um, it was when you looked at their announcement. It it was good to see. It showed all the mines in around that Cobar Parks area, and there's mm. like a lot of little ones that you just don't know because we're not from there. Manuka
0: is another little one that we'll talk about one day too. There's a yeah. lot. Yeah.
1: Oh no, I would do. I would definitely do. God, the Cobar series would be like the Leonora series. So, Cons- it's- who's going to consolidate it, mate? That's what we need. We need a, we need a bit of word on the decline. <laughs> yeah.
0: Feel free to submit some, some word on the decline money minus.
1: Maybe we could do, buddy. That could be part of our fake fund, like fake trading and <laughs> fake uh, MA, um, and see who comes through Mate, I, as I said, I, I tipped one the other day at the gold series. I bet you it'll happen. I bet I like not it. Say it. can't give away my trade secrets. Right, let's get into 10, lads. 10, 10. It is correct. 10. What you would consider a roof back in the day, the <laughs> nothing like sleeping under a tin roof when it's pissing down rain. It is bloody beautiful. And look, there's a. I will ask, where has this come from? What has spurred the tin deep dive today, lads? I reckon there's a couple of answers to that. One
0: is the absolute intrigue I have when you see a, a Twitter community. So I think when anytime I see a bunch of you know accounts on Twitter all rallying behind a a common theme, um, and there's a bunch of these, you know, churches, right? The tin one is fascinating, mate. Is it? Is it hashtag tin twit? I don't know. To be <laughs> there's I'm tin, sure they'll let us know. Tin barons,
2: mate. The,
0: the tin, tin barons. barons. Yeah. Uh, it's in. Uh, it's a, in
2: a few of the names as well.
0: Yeah, uh, it's. It's. I think some of those names are a bit sarcastic, but some are real. Uh, obviously, the huge lithium crowd, right? Um, and, but the tin one's interesting because there aren't too many natural companies to get behind. Like literally there's on the ASX, you know, one real tin company you can get behind. And that's why it's interesting to me because of the kind of concentration and in interest in one company. And it's a company you probably haven't dug too deep into before, Maddie. And, um, but like it, and an announcement popped up today on our screens that reminded us of a little bit of a, uh, a narrative that was made aware to us by one of the money miners, on friday and i think it's a pretty cool story to tell um we're probably going to pose more questions than we answer it but it's a good excuse to to talk about tin and the interesting corporate dynamics of metals x in the process
1: well metals x is actually and you'll go over the background here and it's probably it's something that was very familiar in underground mining because it was uh was it Metals X took over a, a laser and West Gold come out of Metals X divest, divested out of Metals X?
0: We will, we will go there, Matty. We yeah, will go there.
1: So it is. Uh, it, it by far is not an uncommon thing. So, right, boys, take it away. We're going to start with you're going to start with the Tanami a bit or the Metals yeah, X. Yeah. Let's let's let's
2: let's start at the top. So how this one came back into our sort of sphere was Tanami gold. So they came out today and said. They've announced a $15 million exploration budget. Now, that's with their JV partner, Northern Star, obviously um, at their Tanami project in in the Northern Territory. And that sort of got us thinking about about the register at Tanami, which we'll dig into uh, much, much later on down the track. But the story sort of weaves its way into Metals X, like you guys have kind of alluded to. And I think sort of listeners might have to bear with us a little bit, but it's a it's a pretty fascinating story. So, Trav, you dug into a bit of the a bit of the corporate history, kind of mm. tying into what Maddie said as well with with Westgold. Why don't you just run through Maybe. what's gone on there the last ten years? Fascinating
0: or so. company, right? Metals X, ticker MLX. Uh, you can just like look at their long term price chart and what you can see when you zoom out a little bit. Um, is it, it, it's like it's gone down 95% and then it nearly made all of that back up
1: again. How many companies do you see go down 95%? St. Barbara, <laughs> but, but before they went down 95% again. But they, they went down to 5 yeah. cents and went yeah. bloody... The people yeah. that made money off that, like, so yeah, not many.
0: Exactly. If you go down ninety five percent, you then have to twenty x in order to get back yeah. to where you like. It's just a preposterous thing to, to happen, especially in a capital hungry industry. So anyway, I just whenever I see a price chart like that, I just get so curious, right? Um, and there's a fascinating history behind this company. It merged with West Gold in 2012. And then the two companies demerged again in 2016, and Metals X uh, relisted on the ASX when that happened. But I love that again, another fascinating part of history: the merger and
1: And they merged; they maintained the name Metals X, didn't they? I,
0: I think it was just a subsidiary that delisted at the time yep. beneath the West, like Westgold um, coat. And then when it relisted, that subsidiary um, became you know Metals X ticker again. Yep. Um, but yeah, like fascinating, right? And Uh, In recent history, though, Matty, they've divested some of their non-core assets, um, which has made it a lot more appealing from a pure play tin exposure perspective. Their key asset now is this um, 50% interest in the Renison tin mine, which JD will talk more about. But that non-core assets that they've divested uh, in recent history are Nifty, which we've talked about on the show before, complicated copper mine in in WA.
1: It probably didn't need to be. The uh, Aditya Burla just bloody absolutely bolstered up
0: yeah. Um, and, yeah and this asset um is responsible for eroding a lot of that shareholder value when you look yeah. at that decline share price chart on the on the metals x um you know history so like they managed to sell nifty in 2021 to Cyprium uh, and the other one that they divested is Wingella, and that's a nickel cobalt ladder project in the middle of australia not too far from west musgrave uh the bhp is developing they they sold and spun that out into an ASX-listed vehicle called Nico, which ipo would in late 2021.
1: Oh, God, the bloody – the capital markets fees and brokerage and everything with all these mergers and spin-outs, mate, keeps this whole industry alive, doesn't it? The, the bank is never going to Nothing go hungry, is mate. being created. It's all just flicking transfer and hands yeah, at owners. Because investor memories are short. That's why we're here to remind <laughs> them, mate. Good work, boys. Now, JD, where does – Metal X sit today as a capital yeah, so look like on the market.
2: Let's go over the the financials a bit. So they capped it like 240 million. I think that's at about 26 cents. Now they've got 115 million bucks in cash, which is That's
0: a lot of cash, mate. Wow.
2: For, a, for a company of cap. that size. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Is that, is that from all the from the sale of Nifty and Wingella? I think they had
0: some great operating performance in recent history because tin boomed and they made a bunch of cash.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of mixture of things which we'll, we'll dive into a bit more. They've also got $7 bucks worth of Nico shares, so that was the one of the companies they spun out. $36 million in Cyprian sort of con note type of things. So it will give them an EV, I'll, I'll say around $120 million. Um, I think it's a bit debatable what those notes that they have in Cyprian are worth sort of, of noted that zero
0: given Cyprium's latest financing that exactly China
2: so they, they came out with financing yesterday which yeah. was uh, you know not not great to sort of put it lightly and like That's you kind of touched way. on Trav they've got uh, 50% of the Renison tin mine in Tasmania so this who's this got the other 50%? Yunnan which is the biggest uh, tin company in the world Chinese group okay yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they sort of Yunnan came in around the time that Nifty was in in real trouble and Metals X as a company was in real trouble uh, mid mid to late 2020, and they they sort of helped out Metals X with with debts that they had and whatnot. So
0: so in your calcs there, Jada, you got 118 million dollar
2: EV. That's given. equating the the notes at at a zero dollar value.
1: So and just, and just their to be only safe. their only asset is fifty percent of the Renison tin mine is that right
2: and, and obviously all of that cash
1: and the and the cash and the shares in Nico yeah and Ciprim, yeah exactly uh, all the Ciprium con notes but the only actual operation is the fifty percent
2: of Renison. they've they've got exploration tenements and whatnot but not ascribing value to them at at the moment so very interesting. Just to, and to give the money mine is a bit of an idea of renaissance and its sort of performance. i So um, give, give a bit of a scope of the last rolling 12 months. This came from the latest quarterly. Now bearing in mind they have 50%, so these numbers will be 100% of the mine. So 7.9,000 tons of tin at an all-in cost of Aussie 34,000. Now they realized selling that at a price of thirty nine point six thousand dollars And that means, you know, $5.6 thousand of cash per ton. And that's 40. I think this
0: is why, this is why, at this very point, is why I think it gets such a bit of a following, right? Because the punters love. The highly leveraged producer, because as soon as the commodity price goes up, right, like it just hundred percent is such a, a reflexive move, right. So if it's yeah. a high cost producer. There's only one bloody tin miner on the ASX. Um, yeah,
2: and that, yeah, that so that's get- cash flow at these current levels of twenty two, just over twenty two million dollars. That that is one hundred percent of the cash flow that um, Metals X would see, and yeah, just they're looking to get that production up to. 10,000 tonnes per annum from the current eight that I mentioned. It's a pretty good
0: price to cash flow ratio there.
1: So yeah. when's the, I think it's down, so what was it? End of 2021, there was a massive boom in tin by the looks. Yeah, let's and get it's into that, come mate. come off substantially.
2: So, mate, I'll, I'll give a bit of scope on tin.
1: So that 12 months was obviously at the lower end of where the tin prices ended up. So 20, uh, 2021 would have been a lot more... Profitable, I assume.
2: Yeah, although twenty twenty one was clearly an an outlier of of a year for that yeah. for that particular commodity price. So for, for
1: go, in, go into the macro for us, JD, tell us a yeah bit about and, tin cobbler
2: Mate, like I said at the the beginning of the show, this is just sort of scratching the scratching the surface. But you can kind of think of tin like cobalt in the sense of not a heap of first world countries are producing it. There's a lot of you know so called third world countries. The the DRC has a, a great tin mine there's mines in south america you know this asset obviously Renison in australia is one of the few really great operating mines uh in in the world you obviously touched on there's quite a bit of history in in england producing this sort of stuff but that's that's all closed now so a bit on the supply side 50 percent of tin is used for for solder in in electronics you know semiconductors and the like and then you oh, got 20 cool mineral mineral <laughs> oh, sure is. And and that critical mineral, it comes entirely from the fact that whichever particular country you're talking about there, Trav, they can't produce it in their, their country or their jurisdiction. So America say they're not going to list tin as a critical mineral if they can source heaps of it in America. So it's sort of derived from the fact that they can't source a lot of it in whichever particular country you're talking about. Now, on the sort of jurisdiction side, 30% produced in China, roughly 20 in Indonesia, roughly 15 in Myanmar, and the rest, like I said, South America, Africa making that up. Now, this is where the the sort of tin barons come into it, these all these folks on Twitter and why they're why they're super sort of bullish. So Sorry I'm gonna to break you down up, JD, I
0: just I just had to Google it and it's not on Australia's critical mineral list. So I'm gonna have to protest this one. I'll I'll let you continue now.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think like I said, that would sort of be derived from that. We can produce quite a bit of it here. Redison makes a um, you know, a, a decent amount of the world production. So mm. looking into the the different countries, if you, Maddie, look at that price chart again and you see that huge boom at the beginning of 2021, that sort of coincided with the the coup in Myanmar. And like I said, Myanmar produces uh, right yep. Myanmar produces 15% or so of the world's tin. Now the WA Junta. They claim that they're going to stop mining in August. Now, whether whether you actually believe that, you know, you might have to take that with a pinch of salt. This brings in a good bit of money for them. So,
0: WA Junta, that's the Myanmar mine, is that right?
2: There, there's a few mines in the in the north of Myanmar in the area that that junta sort of controls, and yeah. they've said they're going to they're turn these off. So whether they're actually going to do it, whether they're saying it because they've got issues with the mines, you know who? Who really knows? They're not any sort of Western companies there mining any of that. On Why the they Indonesia, say
0: switch it off. What's the rationale there?
2: But I'd, I'd have to dig in. We'll, for the money miners listening, we'll, we'll flick up an article. There's a Reuters article they they spoke about it. I'm not a hundred percent sure of what the actual rationale behind it was. Mm. But if you then move across the sort of supply spectrum to to Indonesia, so like I said, they're producing over twenty percent of tin. Now, they're doing a lot of this, uh, we, we learned today, Trav, from sea mining. So to me, that sort of screams risky, high cost, you know, and a whole other bunch of negative sort of connotations.
0: Most of sea yeah. mining's a pipe dream, but I think this is the artisanal stuff, which is um, doable.
2: <laughs> it's doable, but, you know, how doable is it on, on a massive scale? So I think that sort of speaks to the fact that their, their reserves have been depleting a bit. Now, just to, to wrap up that supply sort of story, You've also got China and this sort of narrative that there's going to be a huge stimulus and that's going to boost all commodities and you know that's going to come from China. You know we've kind of been waiting on this for a while. Got to wait and see if that if that actually comes about. But like you guys sort of said at the top of the show, you got to remember these commodities are priced at the margin. So if a few of these get a whack and MLX is you know highly leveraged to that that commodity price. It could be uh, could be quite beneficial.
0: So the thesis of the tin barons, JD, is that ten percent of the world supply is um, potentially going offline. August first, as announced by this, you know, um, state-owned entity in Myanmar, um, there might be some doubts on whether that or not actually happens or not, because in that particular region, it looks like the tin mining actually accounts for like over fifty percent of GDP. So it'd be hard to yeah. see how you could just flick off that economic switch. And, but,
2: and on the demand side oh sorry you go
0: oh sorry i was just going to say but um but it does look like production out of that area has been decreasing a little bit and maybe that is to do with reserves you know not being of a high quality we don't know it's a bit opaque is that right
2: yeah yeah absolutely and just to to speak to the demand side you um you hear a lot of these sort of tin barons say that tin is you know non substitutable and it's kind of inelastic and what they sort of say is that the the dollar spent on tin in electronics isn't actually a great amount so there's there's no huge need to to substitute it out and as well as that they sort of say that um you know like most substitutable things there aren't too many great substitutes for the actual product mm. that's a, just it's a bit of backstory a on, unit on the unit cost for
0: the tin in whatever it goes into so you just you just pay it
2: exactly and we'll right. sort of, you know, when we conclude, maybe give our kind of thoughts on these things. But I think that gives a bit of scope on um, what's going on in the tin market and we should dig into what's going on at Metals X, specifically on the, on the corporate side of things.
1: Right, tie it together for me, J.D. and Trav. Where's this Mate, all link up to Metals X? I reckon, oh. we
2: should, I reckon we should dig into the sort of shareholder dynamics and why this sort of relates to Tanami and Metals X and everything else.
1: And the Tanami link. This is like, oh, I'm hanging on for this. Oh, it all Trav- comes together.
2: Travel. I'll let you have the limelight, mate. <laughs> oh, it's the
0: shareholder dynamics that intrigue me, Maddie. I love the shareholder dynamics. So let's talk about the shareholders of X. and let's keep in mind, like JD said, there's only, there's, I think there's only two, like Western um, listed tin miners you can really get good exposure to. Metals X is one of them. Cheap Al- EV Alfa- and highly, highly um, leveraged to a, a tin boom. So if you buy the tin macro story like JD talked about, you look here first most of the time.
2: And yep. Alpha Min is a Canadian listed one. They're the other one you're referring to, Trav. Yeah. And they are Western listed, but they have their asset in the DRC.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at the shareholders of Metals X, Matty. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about a, a previous sort of major uh, shareholder at Metals X. And that is uh, a fund based in Hong Kong called Old Peak. Now, Old Peak at one stage owned about 18% of Metals X back in April, 2021. Old Peak have in recent history been selling down their position pretty aggressively on market. Um, So creating a bit of a drag on that share price, right? And, um, And their position is now down to about 8.7%. So it's come down a fair bit, um, and this is in their latest disclosures on ASX as at May this year. Now, Old Peak Selling has been a bit of a meme amongst the Tin Baron
1: crowd on Twitter, hasn't it, JD?
2: Mate, it sure has. We have to um, flash a few of them up on the YouTube. They're, they're pretty hilarious, some of them.
1: Uh, so is this the respecu- Respeculator one? I'll read her out. This is a Hong Kong hedge fund that runs special – Situations, situations. Not a long-term resource yep. investor. They got in two and a half years ago when the company was on the bones of its ass with a cost base sub ten cents per share. These funds have own mandates, restrictions, and often time constraints. Spoken to management, what's he saying there?
0: Mm. So yeah, he- um, I, I think he's just saying he's not. A, it's not a natural sort of long um, investor that you you know maybe taking a long-term view. It's a, it's a hedgy. Yep. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that that sort of speaks to the the dynamics going on there. The actual meme ones, Maddie, we've got a bit further down. We'll chuck them in the YouTube. They're they're pretty funny. Um, mm. I think it really just goes to show, you know, with a illiquid name like this, with somebody who has a substantial position, you know, almost twenty percent, it can take months and months and months for for them to sell out.
0: Yeah. So now we now we've talked about Old Peak. We know who Old Peak is, and they've been selling. Well, who's been buying the stock, Maddie?
1: So before you start that, are you is the consensus that this old peaker here as a head, like just they're just here as a, a hedge on tin?
0: I think in, we're going to raise more questions than we can answer, Maddie. So yeah. they're with us here. Okay, there's they're my question us. number one. Yeah. So who's been buying old peak stock? It's another fund out of Hong Kong too.
1: Buying old peak or buying metals X. Buying
0: metals X, you know, looks like off. Of the, the market, buying you know, the so stock one selling, well, yeah, on, market, stock you know, one selling. on market. The other one buying on market. It's sort of neutralizing that selling pressure. The party bit that's been buying is APAC, and APAC is another fund out of Hong Kong. Maddie,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it gets juicy. oh, I These guys are a resources fund, and they do have links to Australia as well.
0: They do APAC. They're sitting there uh, with a twenty point eight two percent shareholding in Metals X. You might be wondering how do they get over twenty without the change of control? Well, ASX allows this creep provision. You can, you know, accumulate up to three percent um, within a six month period, and you don't trigger that rule. So uh, they're, they're They're at twenty point eight percent now, right? And APAC have such a fascinating history with this company, and some really curious stuff going on here, Maddie. So bear with us. Oh. But for now, what you've got to know is APAC's deputy chairman is a guy by the name of Brett Smith. Now, Brett Smith is a name that we should remember because he's also... A non-executive director at Tanami Gold, where we started with the story. Here we go.
1: Uh, now we're talking.
0: Remember Nico, the spin out of yep. Metals X that we talked about before? So Brett Smith, he's also a non-executive director there, too. Oh, really? Yeah. So so what is the thing that really caught our eye? Now, Maddie, to, to be clear, it caught one of the money miners' eyes who made it aware to our eye. Um, well, AVAC recently lobbed a change of substantial notice on Tanami Gold. That's right. They're a substantial shareholder there too. APAC owns Tanami Gold. They own Metal X, So they're, they're bullish on both.
2: Um, they, they own a big, big chunk of Tanami, don't they?
0: A big chunk, mate. They're now up to 49.23%. Yeah, that's nearly half um, half of it. So, However, the mechanism by which they have some of that interest is actually the fascinating bit to me. When you look at that recent... Change of substantial notice that they lodge with ASX. You see that some of the recent growth in that number is a result of an indirect interest via Metals X. That's right. Metals X
1: has been buying shares in Tanami Gold. Yeah, right. So, okay. So, say, okay. Talk me through that again. So, APAC have mm-hmm. how, how are they linked? To, how's Metal X and APAC?
2: Because Metals X has been buying shares in Tanami. And APAC is a big shareholder in Metals X yeah.
0: because APAC have over twenty percent so now. Effectively,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, they've got
0: even this, without um, even without irrelevant APAC. interest by the definition of the okay, corporations so, act.
1: And so, when they put out a substantial shareholder notice, they link their percentage in another company and add it to the it has to be linked ag- the aggregate. Yeah. I get you now, correct? And that Very and that goes to course. show
2: if you just Google top twenty shareholders. And sort of see what you get for a lot of companies, it might not necessarily be accurate because of funky stuff like this. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't aggregate at all. Whereas,
1: yep. but if you go to the um, those services where I think the that the MDs have, they get the aggregated mm-hmm. um, shareholding of one person, the company from the, all their interests. Yeah,
0: the, the company. That's another thing about the Corporations Act that we learned by doing this show. Is when you ask a company, um, you know, you can ask a company for their shareholders list as well, by the way. It's part of a provision of one of the corporations' acts. So um, I don't know if they always have to give it to you but, and sometimes I'll drag their feet on that one. But you can ask. There you go. Uh, okay, so why, why are they – why is, why is this? Why is this interesting? Why and why is Metals X in TannaMy?
1: Well, that's the right. question, right? <laughs> that is uh, what I want to know. So let,
0: let's ask. Let's first ask the question: of How many shares? We can see how many shares Metals X have bought. Thirty-four point four million shares in TannaMy Gold, which is only about one point four million dollars worth at current prices, or about three percent of the shares on issue in TannaMy Gold ticker T A M. And why are we fascinated by this, Maddie? Firstly. Why is Metals X, this new clean tin play, investing in a gold company in the Northern Territory? What is the angle here, right? Secondly, clearly APAC, this Hong Kong fund, is long both Metals X and My Gold, so it seems a bit convoluted in that sense. Uh, and thirdly, Metals X has so much cash, and the big concern that a lot of people in the market have. Is that those shareholders aren't actually going to be the beneficiaries of this cash accumulation, right? They've just been hoarding it, which is an unusual thing for a company to do if they don't show you what their plans are to do with that cash. And now what you're seeing them do with that cash is buying, you know, bloody interest in a gold company in the Northern Territory. It makes no sense.
1: So uh, That Northern Star divested out of, didn't they? Because they, they, they got a JV there. Yeah. They,
0: do they still well, have the JV? No, I think they might still have the JV. But yeah, yeah of they course, do. Um, Blackcap bought the um, the mine there. Yeah, yeah, but they—they the, the...
2: they, recognized the JV in the announcement today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, fascinating, right? So there's a couple other things that make this whole story even more curious. Remember, Old Peak, Maddie, the big shareholder that has been selling down. Well, Old Peak actually own about 11
1: percent of APAC. <laughs> Oh Jesus! The two Christ. Hong Kong funds have a, have a oh, relationship. Oh, this is like bloody um, yeah. this is like twenty four. Like Jack Bauer, like every end of every episode, it's like boom, boom. <laughs> oh. So they are right. So now, does Old Peak doesn't? Uh, they don't own any of. Do they own any of Tanami? They no, just own Tanami through APAC.
0: I think. I think just through APAC. Okay, there's one more thing, Matty. Oh God! And that is I'm the, hanging
1: on here. APAC. Oh.
0: They have a pretty colourful history, as I alluded to in their corporate dealings with the Metal X management. When you troll through the announcements, you'll actually see that APAC in the past issued a 249D. Oh, these are cool! Oh, we love the 249D in June 2020, uh, and they were proposing to replace three of the board directors there. So, no, what's
1: X. a boys? Just quick definition
0: on a 249D. 249D is um, the provision in the Corporations Act that um, basically, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a, an attempt to remove um, board directors and then it goes to a shareholder vote. So. And it gives, it gives shareholders
1: the power to enact to remove the board.
0: Yeah, when they think the board's not acting in, in shareholders' interests, which um, they had concerns about. So that was in June 2020. On the 10th of July, we see that APAC were successful, Maddie, They got two of those directors to stand down from the board – APAC introduced two directors of their own that they had nominated, Graham White, and Peter Gunsberg to join the board. Then, and at the same time, Brett Smith, yes, that Brett Smith, um, he's,
1: um, he's, he, the, uh, he's the he's the APAC guy, yeah, Niko he's on the board, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, he, Brett Smith, the the, the deputy chairperson of APAC, he becomes executive director at Metals X as well. And the two four nine D was withdrawn because they've agreed to So the They got rid of the three yeah. directors, yeah, yeah. So, and then at the AGM that came in November that year. Uh, in 2020, uh, the new director successfully had another board, incumbent Simon Bow, removed from the board too. So that left the M- Metals X board with four people, three of which were direct nominations of APAC. And I find that whole piece fascinating because, you know, now the story that JD and I are telling is like um, they're hoarding cash and they're allocating that cash to this thing that looks a bit you know m- might be in the best interest of APAC but is it in the best interest of the other shareholders we don't know right um so there's like question marks on the ability to to do what's right for the other shareholders and that was the reason that APAC got involved in the 2490 process in the first place because they thought the management weren't acting in their interest so what a fascinating story well,
1: I'm gonna I look forward to re-listening to whole to all of this okay so tell me when you want to get to what is the play here I don't like the okay. Metals X have got all this cash. They've got investment interest from these Hong Kong, well, decreasing interest from one Hong Kong hedge fund, but now interest from another new Hong Kong fund, and they've they've got this cash and they've got they've got interest in Tanami as well as leverage to um, possibly appreciating tin price if it does happen.
2: I reckon let's just weigh up some sort of pros and cons and see if. You know, what we can kind of get to. Because I think, you know, if you are long tin or, you know, interested in tin, it obviously makes sense to have some sort of interest in Metals X. So on the pros side of things, like you sort of said, I'm thinking they've got a huge pile of cash. They they're doing pretty well at the the tin prices we're seeing already. So that's a that's a good sort of sign. And then on the corporate side of things, they you know, up until kind of recently, looked like they'd really cleaned up things, getting rid of Nifty, getting rid of Nico. They looked like they'd really become that sort of purely tin-focused player. And then on the negative side of things, are we sort of seeing strategy kind of drag? You know, are they sort of putting in that money that perhaps should go to shareholders towards, you know, other interests?
0: Well, One example they could have done with that cash stride is just – buy back their stock, they could do it off market and they would sap up all of that selling pressure from Old Peak. Like yeah. what an accretive thing to do. You know, Old Peak yeah. have been selling down, you just buy the shares off of them, great. And instead yeah. what are they doing? They're buying shares in of my gold. Makes no sense.
1: Are they yeah, looking to get do you think they're looking to get back into gold? Mate,
0: I doubt with that
1: because if you've got that much cash and you're just in tin, you can't do much with it. You can't just go buy more tin mines, can you? I think
0: the I think the
1: real you should
0: just be delivering it to shareholders. You know, like
1: yeah. But what do they do after that? You bloody keep
0: the purpose of a mine is to make money and give it to shareholders. You don't just bloody burn it. But then tin looks (laughs) like it could just go (laughs) to shit anyway. No, it's a it's a tin plate. Be a tin company.
2: Well, that kind of speaks to one of the other cons that I had is that like. Management for a long time, you know, there was a big sort of question mark. You know, where's their focus? Are they doing, you know, this right? They, you know, had Nifty. They got all these other things. So, it was a great thing to see them really get focused and deliver that strategy. Like, should should we have to get cautious on what management are going to do in the future? That you know, well, I, th- I think bit-
0: you have to question what is what, like, whose intentions are being, um, you know thought of so, you know, these corporate yeah. actions yeah is it is it yeah, the, that's... the interest of all shareholders or is it the interest of their major shareholder
2: yeah so that obviously beats around the bush of one of the one of the cons potentially being what are they going to do with all that cash you know i don't think they've paid a dividend in like six odd years so yeah the other sort of con that you could potentially see would be like you kind of said there maddie if we do see a recession tin is going to get whacked and that would be pretty detrimental for for the company
0: Stay tuned, eh? I think we pose more questions than we answer, right? And I think mm-hmm. like we probably got a bunch of shit wrong too. So, uh, the tin barons, please feel free to correct us, and yeah. um, we're curious in this one. Very
2: Fascinating good. sort of commodity, hey?
1: Good, good, good dive, lads. I'm looking forward to re-listening to that. Um, that was. Uh, I can't keep up with you when you are talking. I've got to need the. I need the. <laughs> I need the ability to rewind. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, J.D., you be. Okay, so I I can't – my attendance tomorrow, not guaranteed. Is there a nice state of origin game, mate? What the hell? I've nah, well, I got, I got, got my New South Wales little fundy friend coming over. I can't name his name because he's like real important these days because he works for, a, he's on the 47th floor of a building. So mm. I'm surprised he's even letting me catch up with him for a beer. So. Your friend's on the 47th floor, mate. Oh, wow. mate. He doesn't let me go up there. They don't
0: even have 47 floors in Perth.
1: No, yeah. no, not at, the, uh, not at the Gateway building in Sydney. It's near Ooh. Circular Quay. Uh, right. Love it. Hooteroo, lads. Uh, did we have any messages to the fans? Oh, if anyone's having – for people asking and messaging me about the Hootaroo chat, you've got to join the Facebook group Money Miners first and then that gives you the chat. So you've got to join and the, sh- the link to the Money Miners private group is in the episode description. So go there. Stop bloody messaging me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did we get to 2,000 views? Yet? Uh, 2000 subscribers on YouTube oh, yet? we must be close. Fucking here we go. Live check, live check. Ah, uh, 1989. Son of a oh, bitch. Let's get it up there.
2: By this um, evening, we'll be there.
1: Come on, get us on uh, Lift Them YouTube subscribers for us, everyone. Uh, the boys put a – and me, but mostly the boys – put a lot of effort into uh, making these YouTube videos look very flash with – pictures and everything so give the channel a follow and if you want to skip to a certain story there's also they're also chaptered so if you like a look of a certain uh topic you can go straight there mm. So the and if you really it, support
0: I'm, us post our videos in hot copper because we keep getting banned every time we do it
1: i don't because i'm not doing it trav <laughs> <laughs> matt michael is not posting in hot copper but yeah you you trav and jd haven't had much luck in hot copper <laughs>